Hey, welcome to Nicholas Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Temple Tonelli, and I'm joined this week by Patrick Kugongo, back from two weeks in France, and Jason from Frozen and Carbonite. To talk about the new Skate Mafia video 2023, but first, high risk of getting rad. New York Magazine's Intelligentsia recently published an article called The Athletes Who Can't Afford Their Near-Death Experiences. It features skaters like Mark Suchu and Walker Ryan talking about their status as contract workers and the lack of health care coverage. Patrick, this topic is kind of near and dear to your heart. How, how did it hit you? Off top, the comments are awful, but the folks who read The New Yorker tend to be a little bit, or excuse me, this is New York Magazine. New York Magazine, Sorry. yeah. <laughs> Go on vacation road. Yeah, the folks who will comment on articles in New York Magazine tend to be or just are insufferable. So maybe we should just ignore those. But it showed a lot of people who, I don't know, like they didn't seem to understand why people skate, why people surf, why people do these things. This seems as though, you know, the last two and a half decades of advertising about things being extreme has kind of turned their respective brains to mush. But speaking about the article itself, there's three quotes that really stand out to me, and I'll read them. So the first one is from Greg Long, who's a surfer. He said, the importance of having health insurance wasn't really told to us when I was coming up as a pro surfer. I don't feel it should fall on the companies, but I do feel like they need to be larger participants in ensuring that the athletes are knowledgeable of this aspect of their sport and their lives and giving them the tools and contacts to get themselves covered. 2021, Sodi Mark Suchu said, at the moment, I don't have health insurance. At the end of 2022, my plan expired. I reapplied. There was no communication from then, which is, he's a smart guy. Clearly, he knows how to fill out some paperwork. And the fact that he's an insurance limbo, Adidas sponsorships and all, very, very troubling. And finally, this is a quote from Walker Ryan, friend of the pod. People talk about unionizing, but no one who gets a consistent paycheck wants to put that at risk. There's so little transparency in the industry. I would go on trips with several guys sponsored by the same company and have no idea what any of them were making. And this is a pretty accurate distillation of the status quo over the last 25, 30 years in skateboarding. A bunch of independent contractors who don't necessarily see themselves as workers and have yet to make the big push to organize for collective bargaining rights in the form of, say, a union or even a player's association. But they've also hinted at some of the barriers. A big one is that you have a space where there's not much discourse about it. I think we've touched upon this a little bit. There are certainly skaters like Chris Gentry, Clyde Singleton, who are very, very pro-union. I mean, Jason, what do you think are the roadblocks to skaters establishing some, um, excuse me, American skaters? Because in Europe, it doesn't happen like this. You know, you catch a knee injury, ankle injury, in most countries with some form of universal health care, public health care, whatever you want to call it, you're not going to go bankrupt and it's not going to end your career. But anyway, throwing to you, Jason, how do we break out of this doom loop? I mean, I think we know the answer how, which is basically you got to yeah. get people educated and understanding what their life situation is. But um, yeah, like, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, well, just to piggyback on what you said before about Europe, like America, uh, to my knowledge, America is the only country where your your health your ability to, you know, have a life is tied to your employer and like whatever they choose to do. Like it sounds, uh, it, it, it's insane. Like it makes no sense when you think about it. And, uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, we've said this a million times, but skaters, uh, the whole going back to the whole origin of like, you know, breaking the law. Um, we don't like rules. We don't follow rules. 
in general, like we kind of don't like organizing in organizations. People say like, as far as like Nike and Adidas go, they're like, oh, you know, Nike's a, you know, multi-billion dollar corporation, you know, VF Corp, which owns Vans. It's like, a, whatever. In the article, it said they're worth 7.4 billion. Like they can be like, oh, you know, they should, they should give their riders health insurance. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like corporations don't have morals. Like they will, they will do whatever they need to do to make that the cell on the spreadsheet, the cell that symbolizes whatever skate program to go from red to black. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And give or take, for, uh, based on some some really r- rudimentary research, I think like to ensure like one person, like a single single person household for a year, it's five figures, maybe twenty k. And for a lot of these dudes, that's how much, that's like how much they make in like, you know, compensation per year. So, you know, might not add up as far as that goes, but, um, real quick. Yeah. Back to the commenters. Yeah. Yeah. These are hilarious. I mean, look, suffice it to say, these people are not down for the culture. Like the one person was like, well, you know, why don't you grow up and get a real job effect or like, you know, well, just don't engage in risky behavior as if like, if you don't do anything besides like. You know, I don't know. Everyone always says accountant, but like, I don't know, some some wage slave job. Then like, you don't deserve to live, basically. I don't know. It, it It's crazy. Oh, here's the thing that kills me about that. So let's assume that somebody in there, one of those people in those comments, statistically speaking, at least one or two of them is going to be a lawyer. This is a profession, at least in major American cities, that is completely centered around booze and working yourself stupid. Think about the long-term health consequences of alcohol abuse, lack of sleep, and just general lack of self-care. Oh, yeah. That's, I, I would say that that's probably way more dangerous than trying to skate a handrail. Because, you know, <laughs> I think of the extreme sports, skateboarding is probably the least risky. Like, even though we're the ones dealing with concrete, I, I think skaters go the smallest. You know, like, if you're on a fucking motorcycle, you're sending it, like, 120 feet or whatever. and yeah. Even if you're on the sand dunes, it's still going to, you know, fuck you up or 40 foot wave. Or like, uh, did y'all see that? I'll see that one show on HBO about those people that that surf those waves in Portugal. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Shit is that huge and insane. It was like, it was like, we're like going big. Like, dude, if, you, if any of y'all haven't seen that listeners out there, definitely check it out. It's crazy. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. yeah, big big wave surfing is on some other shit. Um, I've never surfed. I think I'm a pretty strong swimmer, but you need to be basically from another planet to even consider surfing waves of that size. But back to the question of opacity, you know, the lack of transparency in skateboarding. There was a conversation at Slow Impact earlier this year that was called Podium and Per Diem. It was a panel that was led by Alex White and somebody at some point in the conversation said that there's a fear of messing things up, that if we talk about wages, if we talk about wage transparency, if we start having conversations about how much money people are pulling in, that there's a fear that you're going to fuck it up, that there's going to be a, there's a fear of retaliation, but retaliation from who? Like, do y'all think that, do y'all think that it would all collapse tomorrow if every single one of our favorite pro skaters on well, International Workers' Day has passed, but American Labor Day is coming up at the end of the summer. If they said, we're posting how much, you know, for example, Refinery29, they do a money diary. Like, what if we could get pro skaters or sponsored skaters in general to show us what they're bringing in, 
What's the breakdown of their spending? And what's their take home at the end of a week? Like those money diaries to me, you know, they, they were, you know, created to allow women to, you know, have some transparency in like how they're spending and how they're living. And I think it's a, a phenomenal concept. But do you think we'd be surprised at what we see in skateboarding? Almost certainly. I mean, I, I think that in America, we don't like to talk about money. Or, or like, we'd love to talk about other people's money, but not our own. You know, like how much we make, how much we spend. Like, it's just kind of like uncouth or whatever. So I I think that it would be pretty hard to get a lot of people on board with that. I think a lot of people are just like worried, like kind of like you said, like you could see it in the article. Everybody kind of like hedged on what they're saying. They're like, yeah, it's like a fucked up system, but my sponsors are good. My sponsors are great, blah, blah, blah. Like everybody just seemed so worried about like fucking up their own money, which I would be the exact same way, but it um, it makes it hard to fight back when these people are at the mercy of their sponsor. Oh yeah, but you know, as somebody who has been in precarious jobs before, I worked for an organization that handed out 20% pay cuts 10 years ago this summer. It was an absolute disaster. It was beyond frustrating. And the worst part was because it was a very atomized workspace, like we couldn't organize, we couldn't even get on the same page. And everybody was really just focused on taking care of themselves. I ended up taking two additional jobs for a year just to be able to make rent and to be able to make ends meet. And let me tell you something, I hated every single minute of it. Yeah. And, you know, to, you know, the question of, uh, of skating, I think that this is going to fall on the younger skaters. I think a lot of people our age and older in skateboarding have internalized a lot of really bad shit and propaganda about work, about being a worker and about labor. I think a lot of the younger kids, because they've either have much more intimate experience with economic precarity, or they see how flimsy the way that we're living is, I think that they, they're not convinced that they're necessarily going to win the lottery. They, they know they're, they, they, they know they're not going to get past the velvet rope, but I can like bring it back to skating. I think Jason, you have a comment here about Powell offering insurance back in the 1990s. Is this a question of maybe like, does the industry need to shrink a little bit in order to provide some of these benefits? Or is that just like, or is that beyond the pale? Yeah, like when um, I was like, when Powell, Powell did that, it was kind of like not in their heyday. It was kind of like in the, um, like Mike Santa Rosa, Mike Valley, when they were like doing demos and that like with that portal of mini ramp, if you remember that. And they weren't really big then. I mean, what do you what do you mean by by shrink, Patrick? I mean, one of the challenges is that a lot of skateboard companies are effectively on the mom and pop tip. And so they couldn't afford to pay out insurance even if they wanted to. And I wonder, is like, is it a question of the size of the industry? I mean, like, heaven forbid you ever tell any American not to start a business. It's a free country uh, by all means. But sometimes I wonder, you know, are we just multiplying precarity across a whole bunch of different companies? Oh, right. You mean like kind of like go back to when it was just like a few really big companies like Santa Cruz, Powell, Vision, that kind of shit? I'm not saying it's necessarily a good idea, but I'm, I think it's, it's worth wondering aloud. I mean, even for some of these companies to pool their resources, you know, sharing HR, sharing, um, I don't know, sharing accounts or bookkeepers, or maybe being able to find a way to establish a plan or, or something because the status quo, it can't last. Yeah, I think it all comes down to the fact that pro skaters are independent contractors. They're not employees, so they don't really enjoy 
the benefits of being an employee like health and so that's that's just kind of like how america is like I, I was doing some rudimentary internet research on unionizing and one of the things is you have to have employee status to form a union so the skaters by being independent contractors basically just don't have any standing to uni- unionize and there's no single entity to negotiate with you know like if you if the skaters union negotiates a deal with real that doesn't mean that primitive is on board with that you know because they're all independent is to exactly exactly that's a, and those are that's a really key point and there's been a couple of lawsuits there was a recent one for rideshare drivers uber and lyft and all of them and i think it's probably going to come up again i think this is i think a bunch of the companies are pooling their resources to file a lawsuit against city of new york who is trying to push for try to push for try to give those people a, a legitimate wage it's really tough the 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 chips are stacked against skaters in that aspect but on the other hand you know you have the biggest wave of unionizing and organizing and 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 worker education in almost 100 years and the thing that organized labor had back then that organized labor does not have now is the mafia so maybe it's really just a question of just like calling up the mob and be like hey <laughs> i mean I, I i kid but at the same time the legitimate oh, businessman exactly exactly sold <laughs> You know, not a single, you know, we're not, you know, we're not filming. We're not taking any photos. We're not going on any trips until you sign on the dotted line for the contract. It's just as simple as that. Yeah, maybe maybe the skaters need to band together with the photographers and videographers. Just like really deprive the companies of the tools that they need to market. You know, because that, that's what skating is. It's like all just marketing assets, you know, assets for the marketing department to push product. So if, if you band together and deprive the companies of that resource, then maybe you'd have a, a leg to stand on. But I just, it, the industry is just too dispersed. You're very right, but solidarity or bust. I mean, that could be a potential move. It's, yeah, I mean, you're not going to get the big names to get behind this unless by some miracle they decide that they want to commit uh, class suicide and say, all right, I want to, you know, I am willing to put some put some dollars on the line to start organizing and pushing my sponsors and pushing a whole bunch of companies to start recognizing skaters as as employees. You know, then the 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 other question is, you know, what does this mean for skating in the in the long term? Because you know, Jason, I love your quote. It's something that I, I use quite often. You know, there's all these people now who are getting their kids into skateboarding, thinking that they're going to make some money if you just coach them enough. And you always say, if you want your kid to make money in sports, teach them to be a left-handed pitcher. Oh yeah, like you know, is there any way to get some of the that baseball dad energy in the corner of the skaters? You know, can we get somebody to go and uh, I don't know visit certain skate companies and say, like, my kid's gonna have healthcare. He's gonna have it tomorrow. If it doesn't happen, you and me, we're gonna meet in the parking lot. Yeah, I mean that that's a good idea. That you know, I I, I didn't I didn't think about maybe if there was some you know prodigy like the next Niger, so to speak, and you know the parent is kind of a. Uh, on top of things and they tell you know the sponsor look he's this this kid's not going to enter this contest or go filming or whatever but if he does have health insurance if you know you don't give health insurance you know maybe you know because um kind of also comes out to skaters aren't used to dealing with like that realm of like paperwork and lawyers and whatnot like we kind of we kind of hate it so i mean if you got someone in your corner that's used to navigating that stuff who knows but one thing i don't i don't understand is so well, are most skaters like 
under contract with either their shoe sponsor or their board sponsor for like X amount of time. That's correct. So if if you're under contract, how are you not an employee? Is it kind of like you're a contractor, like someone who like uh, build the deck? Yeah, it's just like work for hire. Like you you do tricks, I give you money. Right. I gotcha. All right. Yep. And uh, if it's an above board, uh, formalized relationship with a written contract and formalized tax tax structure in the U.S. That means you're a 1099 employee as opposed to, I think it's a W-2 or a W-4. One of the points that you made earlier, Templeton, about the fact that we couple, in America, we couple your health insurance and your benefits to employment. I think that's one of the things that has made it less and less attractive to come to the United States for some skaters. It's still the dream to come to New York and California and and Philly and Miami and to any place in the States because this is where skateboarding is. This is the home of skateboarding. But I think especially in places in Western Europe, for example, um, it just makes more sense if you're going to be engaging in any kind of you know high-risk behavior to be someplace where the quality of the healthcare that you're going to receive is going to be good, but also that it's not going to bankrupt you. Because I think a lot about Epically Later, for example, I think about how many of those stories should not have happened if we had some sort of a, a reasonable social safety net. And if you had skaters who, I don't know, didn't lose everything from one knee injury or one ankle break. That, you know, that, that sort of thing just kills me that it still happens. So then I question, like a follow-up to question that for, for you both is, do we just keep cooking the way we have been? Or is there a better way to kind of to navigate this situation? I mean, Jason, to your point about paperwork, nobody likes doing paperwork, but look at all three of us. We have jobs. We've learned how to do taxes. We know how to, we know how to fill up some, fill out some forms. And it's certainly, it's something that can be taught. But anyway, like how do we, how do, what's the best way to navigate for right now? Because it doesn't seem like we're going to be able to get a skaters union anytime in the near future. Not to say that it's impossible. It should happen. Yeah. I feel like the team managers or the company folks should probably look out for their riders and make sure that they're taken care of. Like, Hey, you need health insurance. This is a good plan. You know, this is, this is the same plan that Bobby's on or whatever. So check that out. And then like, you know, maybe walk them through be getting some insurance. But I, I was thinking like a lot of skaters are young, so they're probably just on their parents' health insurance plan. So that, that can work out for a while. And then probably what happens is they age out of that insurance, but they're kind of elder statesmen in skateboarding. So the team manager doesn't think to be like, hey, man. Are you, do you have insurance coverage now that your parents ran out or whatever? So it just kind of slips through the cracks. Yeah, I guess what needs to happen is there just needs to be somebody who's looking for people who are falling through the cracks and to pick those guys up and make sure that they're covered. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a good idea. Kind of like, kind of like in the NBA when you're a rookie, they make you take this like seminar on how to deal with like, you know, money, not blowing all your money, dealing with like, you know, loose women and that kind of thing. So maybe they had some kind of, you know, when you, when you go am or before you get in the van, so to speak, like there's, there's some kind of like PowerPoint that they can show, you know, people like, Hey, this is, you know, how you get insurance. This is how you get an apartment, blah, 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 blah. I guess that's, that's one small step, a freaking PowerPoint. <laughs> I mean, something. I could, I, I would also add this though. I think I'm also thinking about a lot of male skaters. I'm thinking about this because for a lot of women, for a lot of non-binary people, you have no choice but to learn how to navigate this space, to navigate the paperwork and to be able to figure it out for yourself. Um, because going back to Alex's 
panel discussion from Slow Impact, you know, you have women who are having to fight and historically they've had to fight much harder for a paycheck and also for being able to get decent money from contest earnings. So, you know, because they are basically staring that uh, the, the question of finance in the face on a regular basis, it means that they're having to deal with it and make a lot more, make a lot more decisions around it. But um, to that point about a, a, a rookie class, do we think skaters have the attention span for that? Yeah. And do we think skate companies, is there like, should there be a like, okay, at the very least, a team manager should know first aid and know how to administer Narcan and have, be able to do like a, a really rudimentary, like baseline, non-professional mental health assessment. But do y'all think that maybe it's time to start being like, we should set some standards for being a TM, very similar to how in most sports, like there's a standard for being a ref. Like you can't just pull up and be like, oh, I want to be a, uh, I want to be a ref. Yeah. I feel like it's just hard to, to set any, like, I don't think there's any standards in skateboarding except like some measurements, you know, to make sure that the wheels and the bearings all, and the trucks all work together. You know, I, I don't think that there's any industry standards other than those. I don't think there's any like HR standards like that. Like, um, they could do something like, you know, when you get, well, when people get certified to be like a, a personal trainer, like a CPT. It's like, it takes literally an afternoon. So maybe like, I don't know, this is kind of stupid, but like some kind of like certification to be like, you know, certified TM, like CTM or some shit. I think that'd be a great idea at the very least, just to do the, the physical health stuff that I, I mentioned earlier. Like if you're a TM, God help me if you don't know first aid, you know, I feel like that's one that you'll learn on the job pretty quick after being in the van for a while. <laughs> <laughs> on some MacGyver shit with a with a white T-shirt as a tourniquet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, it feels like that is tangible. You know, even if it's just getting a whole bunch of TMs together. I mean, there's got to be enough money in the industry to say fly all these people to you know get them get them all to San Diego or something like that, and have a, an annual convention like an annual TM thing where you do trainings and all this other stuff and like you, you can know, trade you skaters at the annual TM convention. Exactly. You know, like become it because, you know, for the longest time, wasn't being a TM sort of a, it was a homie job. Right. Like, oh, the career's kind of on the way out. Like, hey, you, you want a job or something? Yeah. I mean, I think TM is still like that. Basically, like have a clean license and, and be willing to be the first one up and the last to go to bed. Right. That's all you need. Anything else about big wave surfing and uh, what you want to call it? I think we've covered it. I think that we should also probably not talk about health insurance for at least another year. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, on a, on a happier note, <clears throat> we're only halfway through 2023, and Skate Mafia, the Skate Mafia, is already done with their video for the year. The appropriately named Skate Mafia 2023 video runs 35 minutes and has full parts from the team's heavy hitters. Jason, how are you feeling about this one? All right. Well, from the people who brought you Skate Mafia video 2022, Skate Mafia video 2018. Skate Mafia video 2014, it's Skate Mafia video 2023. I mean, yeah, I mean, you pretty much know what you're going to get. But the Skate Mafia video is kind of like really comforting in a way. You get some heritage San Diego schoolyards. You get a little bit of Barcelona with uh, Stephen Lawyer. Shout out him. You get some semi-obscure 90s rap. So, yeah, it was sick in that respect. I think this is one of my videos that I'm going to return to throughout the summer however i was kind of disappointed about a couple of things a there's no friend section um skate mafia videos always have the fire friend section with pretty much like 
anyone in San Diego that can ollie up a curb. You know what I mean? And they always set it to some like crazy like posse cut, mm-hmm. you know, from the nineties. That that's always hype. And also, um, only two Javier Sarmiento tricks. Was kind of looking forward to a part from him because he's like the best. But uh, yeah, it was you know it was a little more focused than their previous works. It was, it was sick, dude. Um, I think most notable for Wes Kramer comeback street part. Like he was, you could tell he was going hard. Like not just skating, you know, rocks and piles of dirt and whatnot. I actually feel like I feel like I may be a, a burgeoning convert to the San Diego lifestyle. I went down a couple of times this year, once for work, once for the stoked sessions. I had a really good time. I ate some wonderful food with amazing Mexican food. Skating was actually really fun. Everybody was super chill. So Brandon Turner, his redemption yeah. arc. Yeah, talk, yeah, let's talk about Brandon Turner. Brandon Turner's redemption arc, first of all, that dude is diesel. He's so cut. He is like frighteningly in shape. Combination of Pilates, sobriety, and just basically being a badass. I mean, he's just the coolest dude. And he's fascinating to watch. And Jason, you, you touched upon something. Skate Mafia, this is like comfort food. This is like a, like a yeah, exactly. this is like these like it's like nachos. <laughs> you know? It's like a big plate of nachos with all the right toppings and everything like that. And just like chilling back and be like, you know what? I'm gonna be okay. He's he is the best. I really, I really love Will B. Masakai Hongo, the spots he was skating, like for example, what was that brick volcano? I want to know where that is because that thing was, that joint is actually very, very cool. It's like a very tall version of one of the, the Afro banks in, in Philly. Yeah, it looks like a playground or something. I think there's like a slide on the back. Mm-hmm. It was a fun video and like, here's a question. San Diego, like what is, like, you know, we're now 30 years past San Diego's absolute peak in skating which was, I think, the early 90s, right? Like 8th Street, Plan B. When did Maple come around? Because didn't Maple come out of that whole crew as well? Um, Maple was kind of like, Maple came out of GNS. Okay. Like, like it was GNS, and then it was and or whatever, like the and sign, and then mm-hmm. it kind of turned into Maple. I don't know. There, there's Is San Diego having a resurgence? Is San Diego wavy again? Well, who else we got? We got Skate Mafia. Um, who else is down there? I feel like Skate Mafia is, is holding down San Diego. I, I don't see a lot of handedly. Yeah, like they, it's almost like Skate Mafia is like a regional brand or like a regional company with global reach. Like almost everybody on the team is the San Diego local except for two guys, uh, Javier Sarmiento and um, uh, Hongo with him, Masakai. Ma- yeah, Masakai Hongo. Is, is he the brother of that other guy that's on Weekend? I believe he is Shintaro. Yeah. His yeah. Oh, okay. Because uh, Shintaro has uh, a couple tricks in there. Yeah. By by the way, there were some super good uh, Japan spot porn in his part. Like, it's always like some like, you know, leveled like ledge plaza, like by the ocean or something and crazy shit like that. Those spots are crazy. So, but back to the point about the skate mafia crew single-handedly holding up San Diego skate scene. I mean, look at Philly. Look at all the cats of Philly who held it down for years, rocking baggy jeans in D.C. long after they were fashionable. And the trend has come back around full circle. And now Philly's not the center of the universe like it was in the early 2000s. But those people, their work paid off because people, are, they, they, they're paying it. To, they're still, they, they always made people stay paying attention to Philly. So would you say that Skate Mafia is doing the same thing? Remind people, like, yo, San Diego's got heritage. San Diego used to be it. San Diego still got something. 
as San Diego is sharing it with the world. Hmm. I I feel like San Diego is it's just like it's kind of standard. You know, like Philly had like a point of view. It was different, whereas San Diego was kind of like the industry standard, and it's kind of stayed in that sp- like the standard has moved, but San Diego has remained kind of that same vibe the whole time. If that makes any sense, I feel like I'm maybe not making sense. Yeah, like uh, what did let's say Trans Diego, right? Like oh, it, it's like that whole you know uh, Mike's not here yet, but you know Trans World ass spots, you know, because it was that was where Trans World was, like Encinitas, Oceanside, whatever the fuck. Yeah, it's just a little like generic, I think. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Just like yeah. shorthand for California. <laughs> I mean. LA, it, it feels like LA had a bit of uh, a glow up, a makeover, whatever you want to call it, over the last however many years. I think that can all be attributed to LA skaters started skating crust. Yeah, uh, LA, LA's got some icon. You know, like LA's got the Wilshire Rail or the Hollywood Sign or Hollywood High. You know, like like what are the icons of San Diego? Rencon, that's gone. Uh, Carl, all, yeah, that's I gone. mean, all the heritage spots are mostly gone except for that one outledge at some college that um like chris markovich frontside knows that in in 20 shot someone yeah. does like a five of quarter dry on here but yeah, yeah all the heritage spots are, are mostly gone i mean what do you do what does that mean when all your spots are gone well i think about that like you know do pe- people are still skating they're still putting out stuff i think the thing that is the thing that makes me excited about Skate Mafia is that they are completely in their own world. And it's also, it's a video that's I think is certainly tailored for men of a certain age, right? I mean, come on, they got 3-6 Mafia, they got some stoner stuff in there, nice combination of baggy plus skin-tight pants. There's a little, you know, for, for it's, it's a very dude-centric video, but it's something that, you know, it, it's like, it's basically, it's, it's guys our age. Yeah, people. It, yeah, if if you remember, like Gangstar, like if you're psyched, if you were psyched that Brandon Turner skated the two Gangstar songs in a row, um, then yeah, you're probably you're probably already exactly, exactly. <laughs> like you're 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 watching this with the sound all the way up. Oh yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Um, uh, if it's on at the skate shop, you're not setting up your board. You're putting every you're downing tools. You're just gonna post up and talk shop while watching the board. Uh, excuse me, while watching the video. Yeah, but who all? Well, when you when you take a look at it, who all skated other places than San Diego? Look, I think Brandon Turner's part was filmed like other places. Yeah, there was a, a clip in Portland. I know. Yeah, probably some Mexico. By the way, that Ender Jerome shot was incredible in Brandon. Yeah, that was Brandon crazy. Turner's yeah. shot. Such perfect timing and framing and everything like that. So props to the the pilot on that. Yeah, like like Steven Lawyer had a lot of Barcelona stuff, of course. Tyler, yeah. sorry. By the way, um, yeah, let's talk about Tyler Surrey. Um, yes, let's. This kid's had a, I mean, like, to me, he's kind of like a genius, like, on that level of street skating. Like, um, obviously, he looks the best being filled by Goose and Tonneson, like, who doesn't? But, um, yeah, man, like, this guy's body of work is crazy. Like, and this part was really dope. Like, the way it transitioned from, like, that first song, that old, like, Spanish, Spanish 70s rock song to the second one, it was sick, man, like, if you get an afternoon, like just go down a YouTube wormhole and look at this guy's body of work. It's crazy. Yo, actually, you know what? Because he's also, I remember he skates a, it's a school that was in, I think in troubleshooters a lot, San Diego school with blue benches. Yeah, the blue bench school. 
and uh, Blue Ledges, it feels kind of like Skate Mafia is operating in a universe in which troubleshooters is as important as question, right? Yeah, yeah, something like that. I don't, like that, I don't even think I've watched trouble, troubleshooters uh, all the way through. I don't think I'm on it. And i just like wasn't in my scene. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I might, I might have watched Dave Mayhew's part at some point. Dave oh. Coin, Dave, Canton Russell. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's a great video. I what love, that, I love. What was that other one? Tactical Manual. Was that mm-hmm. San Diego or is that like Wisconsin? I think it was San Diego. Same, yeah, same yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. Steve Silentani. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think so. It, it's it's like uh, that. You know what it is? If you're thinking about it, like a coursed meal. That is kind of like the, that's kind of like the shareable, you know, that's like the thing that comes out that's, uh, you know, you have like a little something like a little bread, a little butter, right? This is going to be a thing that you're going to share right before the entrees start coming out. So thinking about if the sh- the first two shorties videos are, was it guilty? Excuse me. Um, Fulfill the dream. Fulfill the dream and guilty. Troubleshooters is like a nice addition, right? Like that's like the nice appetizer, like a little, like a little something at the beginning of the course, like. All those together, you know, you kind of create this pretty cool portrait of San Diego in the late 90s, early 2000s. Zooming out, like, Skate Mafia, like, why are we not laughing at Skate Mafia? They got the tricks. They got the tricks to back it up. Every one of these people ripped. Every one of these parts could have been last part. Like, fucking incredible skating all the way through, you know? So I think that you can get away with a lot and you've got that on your side. Yeah, plus, is it? I mean, like, it's cool. it's cool that there's a a regional crew that just like sticks together like literally for life mm-hmm. you know I, I think if you ask them they'd be like yeah i'm not game mafia for life like they're not joking when they say skate mafia for life it's game mafia for life and um yeah about the tricks in the skate like wes kramer like to me he's like an evolutionary julian stranger like you wouldn't be surprised by anything he did like in a bowl like on the street rails whatever um that'll switch 360 flip and then switch impossible at Ladone is insane and like the switch switch straight flip at the end is crazy i don't yeah, think like approaching the rail yeah a crazy crazy angle i don't think anyone's done that over a rail switch before and then ultimate hard-hitting question wes kramer was rocking a fedora in his part is it is it like one thing i did notice in france i was definitely seeing a lot of ed hardy shit is the early 2000s about to come back? Are we about to start seeing some fedoras? I think it's that, very likely. I thought that was like a uh, like a how ironic Halloween costume or something. Early 2000s, you deadass could not tell. Like yeah, <laughs> there's this uh, there's a bunch of Instagram accounts that are like early 2000s. Like I don't know, early 2000s was wild. Like Christina Aguilera, like the way she looked and dressed and looked and stuff, that was wild. Yeah, and everybody was. Everybody was like, trying to dress like her. No, yeah, trying to dress like her. Was trying to dress like that. It was crazy, man. Yeah, and then also Justin Timberlake because he was he was the one with the fedora. Because like I think a bunch of guys looked at that and they said, you know what? That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna look cool in the club wearing a fedora. And then, God, that shit was so corny. Yeah, you guys would be like coming up to you, tipping their hat and everything. The fuck out of here. Where, like like that guy, like that singer Neo or whatever. That's corny. Oh yeah, yeah. Let me love. Oh yeah, cause like <laughs> yeah, that fucking guy. Oh my god, no, 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 no. Ed Hardy, me like those like uh, trucker hats. Yeah, and also what is it? Uh, Von Dutch, Von Dutch, a lot of Von Dutch. I'm, I'm, I'm not playing. Von, Von Dutch, like yo, 
maybe not this summer, but next summer, like the worst of the early 2000s is really about to come roaring back. Well, wait a minute. Wait, hold up. Those uh, in that one Supreme video, Troy and those guys that were skating the prefab park in like in like boot cuts, like oh yeah, legit boot cut pants, and like people slap board was going nuts. Yeah, exactly. That, Yo, that, set the slap board ablaze. <laughs> I, I mean, like that that whole era was just like it was questionable fits, you know, and it it's almost kind of like you know, kind of like you always remember like there's certain eras of the NBA. Where you're just like, yeah, the playing was nice, but the outfits were terrible, you know, yeah. whether it was <laughs> whether it was the like, uniforms or the street clothes. Yeah, like the like like two XL button downs and shit. Like Jay-Z said, yeah, don't wear jersey and we'll wear button downs. And anyone everyone goes out and gets like a two XL button down. Exactly. Like, like uh, the, the, not even fitted, like straight off the rack from big and tall. Like the like uh when the doubles won the Stanley Cup, I got a two XL like Stanley Cup, double Stanley Cup shirt. Why the fuck did they get a two XL? I weigh like 155 pounds. <laughs> exactly. Like, there's like so many questionable fits. But like back to skate mafia, like it was like a, like the it was nice. And also like you know, I think the other reason why they get the pass of all passes is because like this is for real. Like this is what they're like. This is like th- like this is not a joke. It's not corny like the Trunk Boy. It's like Lord Crail Trap. They tried to make the Trunk Boys a thing, and it did not stick. Skate mafia like. Somebody got a skate mafia tattoo. You'd probably look at them sideways, but you'd be like, you know what? I can understand it. Like, especially if like that's what you rock with. But like, Trump- yeah, it's, it's authentic. It's an authentic crew. You know, like the brand yeah. came from the crew. I guess did it? I don't know. It seems like it did. I don't. Well, I don't know. But it, it's like you know. And I hate to to to, to rail on on Krell Tap, who who've done so much to rehabilitate their image and their work in skating. But dog, like the Trump Boys was like peak cringe. <laughs> Is the way I would describe it. Skate Mafia feels like these guys are hanging out. Like, they can do this. And I have one last question for y'all. At what point is stoner stuff corny in a video? Because I'm thinking about Alexis Ramirez. Like, why is it stoner cliches? Like, some reggae, hold up a joint to the camera. It works in this video, but in other videos, I'm just like, this is, come on, y'all. Well, may, may, maybe that's his thing. Maybe he's uh, into Rastafarianism or, like, just reggae, that whole, you know, that whole scene. So is it really just like, is it a question of like, back to uh, Templeton, to paraphrase you, the fact that it's authenticious? Yeah, and I I think uh, with Skate Mafia, like you don't expect a higher level of taste, I guess. Like you, you don't expect like an art film. It's like, this is like some straight up skate videos with some fucking straight up skate rats. Like it's a, it's a skate rat video. It's not like an art film. So the skate rats like to smoke some weed and they're going to show it but in a different way than it shows up in like a supreme video yeah and i also get the feeling like it's kind of like this you know how some rappers will deliver mixtapes like remember like the peak mixtape era dj drama era where yes they were so into like gangster grills gangster grills any of that like where there would be people who would consistently deliver in mix it oh we show clips we got it for cheap you know where the the be this is this is probably what this is what Skate Mafia is. The mixtapes are for the streets. And that's a good thing, you know? Like, like this is what you need. Like, this is, you know, it's not necessarily, it's not going to be in the club. You're not necessarily getting here, you know, you know, in cool places. But it's for people who just like, I'm bumping music for the car for hanging out with my friends. And like, this is the skating equivalent of that. There we go. Stoked every time Skate Mafia puts out a video because, you know, it's going to be good. And that brings us to the end of our show where we talk about what we're stoked on, Patrick. 
What are you stoked on? I am actually stoked on quite a bit. Off top, I'm stoked on Spitfire Wheels. More specifically, the collab they just did with the Bunt. I apologize for shouting out a rival podcast, but yo, I need those. Those wheels are are on fire. I'm looking forward to watching their little uh, basketball competition that's coming up this weekend. I'm, as you said, Templeton earlier. I've just come back from vacation, a couple of weeks in France, where um, got to officiate uh, our friend's wedding. Uh, my wife and I did a bilingual officiating of a ceremony, me in French, her in English, for our good friends Jesse and Lindsay. Amazing time. Um, also on the same trip, got to watch Kylian Mbappe hit a penalty against Greece at Stade de France, the house that Zinedine Zidane built. Uh, we got to skate with my buddies Jack and Lawrence in Marseille. Uh, got to drop in on a whole bunch of skate shops and hand out mostly skateboarding stickers. Want to shout out Honey Skate Shop and X, uh, Bud Skate Shop in Marseille, specifically the location of Uppolt uh, and Nosebone in Paris, all of whom were very, very cool, super nice. And there's also a company, I got some socks and some stickers from them. They're called Bizou, Bizou, Bizou. And they're from Montpellier. And they're called that because in Montpellier, you give three kisses on the cheek when you say hello instead of just two. And finally, I am very stoked on the new quasi part or little snippet for sci-fi fantasy that just dropped on Thrasher today. Jason, what are you stoked on this? Stoked on Venture Trucks, uh, made in San Francisco, California. Also stoked on uh, what to go see George Lynch, uh, former docking guitarist up in Northern Virginia, in Leesburg, Virginia, like hour out of D.C. Um, as you might know, I'm a huge George Lynch fan. I have his pro model guitar, so that was super sick. He played a bunch of docking uh, classics as well. Stoked on a little edit uh, called Midnight Skate Fest, straight out of Oslo. I guess that's the thing. I assume it's a thing where... At the time of the year when there's like sunlight at midnight, they have some kind of skate fest. So there's a little edit with Tiago Lemos and some of his friends. Good spot porn in there, of course. And a little shop video out of Brazil um, from Reda Skate Shop called A Temporal. It's a uh, super sick, like Brazil technical, some cutty spot shit as well. There's lots of that in Brazil. But um, yeah, if you're into the whole like Brazil tech vibe, DAX video called Odd Temporal Red Escape Job. Uh, Templeton, what are you stoked on this week? I am stoked on the new flat bar that I built. It's made from a road sign I uh, acquired uh, two weeks ago. Did a little kind of heist on that and got out the tools and built a little flat bar, like super old school wooden, wooden legs flat bar. And I'm going to stash it in a nearby parking lot and hopefully do a lot of skating on it, kind of get my skills back up. Little, or they've been a lot dusty lately, so looking forward to new flat bar. And that's it for our show this week. Be sure to check out most40.net to the things that we talked about and other show notes. Until next time, you can keep up with us all week online. Jason, where can the people find you? On Twitter at Carbonite1994, on the Instagram at Frozen Carbonite, and on threads at Frozen and Carbonite. If I uh, better figure out a way to use that. And write the stuff for quarterstacks.com. Uh, working on it. Working on some stuff for a uh, third quarter here. Patrick, where can the people find you? Find me on Twitter under the handle at Colonel K Speaks, on Instagram and on threads under at P Kigongo. I have no idea what my threads personality is going to be like. I think I'm just going to throw out random stuff and post pictures of the cat and just be esoteric and weird. <laughs> Templeton. Where can the people find you? Oh, you can also find me doing stuff with the Harold Hunter Foundation. Templeton, where can the people find you? 
You can find me on Twitter at Mostly Skate, on Instagram at Mostly Skateboarding. I do have a Threads account, but just follow me on Twitter and Instagram, or not at all. That's fine too. Right, so see you guys next week. Later.